Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host, Justin Poole, and joining me, as always, John Duke. We've got two preseason games in the books. We got a chance to see the Celtics face the Charlotte Hornets, and really, First quarter of basketball of the year was outstanding on fire, shooting the lights out, even though they really weren't playing all that fluidly at the same time. And uh, they wind up dropping that one. Obviously, the second half, a lot of bench guys, a lot of weird rotations, a lot of weird combinations. Can never take these two seriously. Pretty, um, pretty good second game as well. Entertaining. Terry Rozier is just a highlight for me from both games. And then, of course, uh, the Scrubbas wind up doing a pretty good job to close out game two. And a uh, guy like Dozer, was it P.J. Dozer, who spent most of his time in the G League last year, winds up making some pretty uh, pretty crazy hustle plays. I, I don't even want to limit it to just that final play. A lot of hustle plays to close out game two. So lots to take from. Uh, we finally have some basketball and John and I are here to talk about all of it with you all. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's been a promising introduction. I mean, there's some things that obviously still need a lot more work and uh, there's a lot of rust and a lot of, you know, just Things not quite hitting yet, but you see the potential there. You see where things are headed. Uh, and yeah, you know, I thought that the, the scrubbers, as you wanted to call them, what I'm going to call the Come first scrubbers. That's great. So, all right. So listen, no, no, we got, we got the first. I don't think people have fully settled in what the first five is. The BWA, that's what Mook's got. I am putting forward. This is my thing here. Okay. I think it's the Yabutan clan. I think that's what that third string is going to be. The Yabu Tag Clan. Right? That's hilarious. Right? It's hilarious because that he's walking around, as Tommy and, and Mike said, he's walking around with just an enormous amount of com, uh, confidence. Like, he belongs there, but he's just, like, not even in the rotation, right? And so it's so funny because he is. You're right. He's the leader of the Yabu Tag Clan. So. I- you can yeah. go ahead and have it, I, but I'm going to call them the scrubbers. You can. And I'm going to leave you, and I'm going to leave Yabu out of that because, uh, I do think he's got some, I think he's probably better well, than the group he's hanging with. Well, I think what I would, I would say though, and, and I thought you're right. Dozier had, had a great, yeah, obviously a couple of really important plays, 
But Robert Williams, Robert Williams and Yabu. I mean, Yabu, uh, you know, I, I never would have thought our first, <laughs> our opening to our first show after two seasons at preseason games would be talking about the third string, but that's still the stuff live, baby, right? Um, Yabu is showing through two games that he, He's starting to learn his role. He's starting to understand how to fit into the NBA system, how to fit into the Celtics, what the Celtics need. He's using his ample posterior to uh, get guys on his back and finish over the top of them. And, you know, I thought he's, he's, what he's doing, I thought last year he really didn't know what to do. Now I can see maybe he's going to start from going way inside and work his way back out. Because uh, he, we know he has the potential to work on the perimeter and work, you know, in space. But I think right now where they need him is that big butt right there on the bottom. And then on the other hand, you got Boo Butt. That's Robert Williams, right? We talked about him on open on a <laughs> when we did the draft show. Boo Butt, uh, you know, makes the big block really that helps to seal the win and gives it up to Yabu for the lay-in. He's just like Yabu last year, to your point. He's kind of lost, doesn't really exactly know where to be, but there's enough that he understands the pick and roll, so you see him running it. I mean, he's not – there was a Jalen Brown lob to him that didn't wind up working out because it wasn't quite high enough, although Jalen should – would probably learn that that Boobot can really get off the ground. Like he could have skied that uh, alley oop a lot more and got it over the defender, I think. And and Williams would have been able to finish it just on his sheer athleticism. That's just them all getting to know each other and all that. Um, but that he is getting by. He's getting by on some pretty incredible athletic ability. I think he's able to alter some shots. I think. We might still see him do his stints in Maine like we expected, but I also wouldn't be surprised. What we want to see is how game one started out with just a litany. What was it? 37 points in the first quarter. And, you know, they can pretty easily, if they keep up this style and pace of play, be putting up 120 a night. You know that the defense is going to come along, especially as the rotations work themselves out. I think, They'll still be higher scoring games. I'm not expecting them to hold anybody to 80 if they're scoring 120 plus. It's just not the way that they're playing right now. But if they can stake up some big leads like that, maybe Williams does get a chance to spend a decent amount of time on the floor. He's really the kind of guy that they were looking for in a youth. You know, it's, they kind of got Tice and he's a bit of a rim runner himself, but I think Williams is that project that Hopefully, if he can stay healthy and he can keep his head in the game around all these veterans, couldn't have come to a better place like we talked about with Jeff Goodman on draft night. If that all happens, and I don't think his locker is next to Al Horford's, but if he can kind of pull that those pieces together, it's not hard to see him really fitting into sort of the youth movement aspect of this team, which would be Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and having – you know, a, a rim protector, a shot altering big man who can also uh, probably not shoot three pointers. And I don't think we should expect that, but he can be in this up tempo offense and that would make him effective, uh, even without being able to knock down crazy amounts of threes. Right. I mean, yeah, the, the rim running, the Clint Capella model is really a good one for him to follow here and, and know that there's no expectations and the team knows that they can be successful. If, if Capella is the model you're going after, they can be successful with shooters and scorers all around him and him just setting screens and 
running, rim running and creating those seams, you know, kind of north south seams in, in, in the offensive end. I, I think that he's really got a chance. He has shown some flashes to, to show what he can do offensively in terms of passing. I think he's, he's a little bit more than just this raw, um, player who's just completely out of his element. I mean, this isn't a guy who came from, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> well, look, Kendrick now, Perkins was drafted at the same spot, right? Yeah. Now, when, and, and yes, that was out of high school and not two years of college, but Kendrick was pretty right. lost right out of the gate. He was pretty lost. Yeah. And th- there's the fundamentals are here. I don't think he's used to the pace of right. the, of the game. And I also don't think he fully understands what his role is in the offense. And even Mike said this when all the younger, the scrubbers came out. Was, you know, this could be a little ugly for a little bit because this is a freewheeling offense. There's a lot of reads, a lot of reacting, and there's not a lot of chemistry and experience on this group. So we know that there's going to be some struggles. And it was surprising that they actually did kind of put together a little bit of a hustle effort and find ways to work together. Even Robert Williams received a pass that I think even Jalen Brown would have tried to finish. And instead he dropped it off to Yabu or or was it Ojale? I can't remember, but he dropped it off. And I remember saying, I think it was Yabu because I think he finished at the rim. But either way, I remember saying to myself, I'm like, that, see, that's really a very good sign. Not that he couldn't have finished that and didn't want to, but just, just I'm going to pass this one off. We're going to get the easier bucket. We're going to make the extra pass. And, and, and this is going to be what I think the coach wants me to do. And you can even go back to when Tice, I believe, hit that outlet pass to Rozier, and then he just dropped it behind his back to Tatum for the flush. Those are the kinds of things we need to see more of from this team because that's how you solve these chemistry issues around people getting minutes and getting involved. No, and that's absolutely right. And that's that contagion that that infected the 86 team with with Bill Walton's his presence there and just things go into a different level with how you share the ball. And it becomes more about wanting to share and, and it it just, it builds and it builds and it becomes bigger than what the team is. And I think one thing Tommy's talked about both on Friday night and, and then on Sunday is the fact that there's a lot of guys right now, young players who are trying to come back after working really hard this summer and show, Hey, look what I've done. Look what I've added to my game. And there's a danger in that. Quite obviously, there's a danger in that. And that's what we've, that's really what Brad has to contend with. That's the face of how we're going to have to fit all these pieces together. These guys working on things and now having to meld that in and not having people, you know, take, take their own game and try to force things. And Tommy kind of looked at Tatum as a guy who was doing that Friday night. I, I would agree with him. I thought there were parts of tonight, a lot of long twos that really weren't there. But then he had that stretch after that lay-in and after yeah, the second quarter when he was just late, dropping him right. down. And the three-pointers were just, you know, and it's like, okay, make that adjustment, Tatum. That's now you've, you know, you've got to see that. And I, I, I think he will, but there's just, there's a cohesion there that's, that's lacking and they just have to rebuild it. I think there's some early signs there. I think they're trying to get Gordon Hayward back I think in. The there's co- a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. The cohesion is still there for that young group that finished out yes. the end of last season. Yes, and sir. you see it the minute Terry comes out. Cause mm-hmm. when Terry's out there with Kyrie and Hayward, He's still kind of got it, but that confidence, he knows that he's supposed to defer a little bit there. And, you know, he, I remember he took a three pointer that he front rimmed, but when he was out there with Brown and Tatum, mm-hmm. 
and they were doing their thing. You know, he wasn't front rimming anything. Everything was splash, splash. And the thing that he also does, they're two totally different styles, him and Kyrie. But one thing that should work really well with Terry, Terry, um, running that second unit is the way that he does attack and he gets around screens and then gets into the paint. And that threat is how they're going to prevent the opponent from just parking out beyond the perimeter and trying to stop all the three-point barrages. They got into trouble with this over the last three years, pre-Kyrie, pre-Hayward, pre-Tatum. They would just sit there and try to shoot them their way through games. Even with this big lead, they would continue to try to shoot their way through that game, and that's what let the opponents in. They have to threaten the paint. They have to do it consistently, and they really haven't. They've even had playmaking with Evan Turner coming off the bench and been able to kind of push it into the paint and push it back out but not the actual threat to score at the rim that they have with Kyrie. And and clearly Terry has that now too. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, you're right. I mean, the amount of confidence, first of all, the amount of confidence Terry's playing with right now is, is off the charts. He always has had confidence, but uh, over the last year, year and a half, but it's off the charts when he goes in there. And first of all, let me just say, I love the new sneakers. Uh, I thought really, it's really brave of Terry to wear, um, air, um, Ronald McDonald's out there. I thought that was pretty great. Uh, <laughs> with the big red and the yellow. It's great. Um, I like him. I like him. No, I'm not, no slight intended, but, uh, he, he's playing with this level of confidence right now that is just evident. And you can tell he has not skipped a beat from May. He's not taking it's the, the year three lap right? in the Easter Conference Finals. He's not taking that to heart. You're right. And he's taking that. It's the year three. And he's like, look, I'm ready to cash in. Right. And I think that you're but right. But it's not even just about cashing in. It's He's not cashing in for the money. He's cashing in on the amount of work that he's put into his game. And you go back and look at that draft class and remember how much scrutiny Danny took for drafting him. Go back and look. He's easily in the top eight. In my opinion, in that draft class, he's easily in the top eight, and he deserves an opportunity to start for a team. I know he got into it on Twitter a little bit Sunday morning. You know, not into it, but we had this kind of discussion, and I threw it out tongue-in-cheek, like, yeah, we know how much Danny loves Terry. Maybe Kyrie goes at a deal for, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, right? And, yeah, I know. I'm just kind of – it is tongue-in-cheek. I think they're very right. happy with Kyrie, and, and I think they intend for him to stay. But, you know, I before this game even happened, just watching the first half of the first game and watching that confidence and remembering, you know, remembering t- – Harry on the Super Bowl Sunday game that I went to with my son and my parents and remembering just his performance down the stretch in Kyrie's absence and just thinking to myself, you know, it is, it's going to be a travesty for me to watch Terry emerge if it's on another team as a starter and then just grow into not necessarily like nobody's saying he's going to become Russell Westbrook, but just grow into a solid and entertaining and fun player like this is the kind of guy you want to root for just his whole personality his whole demeanor his style of play everything about him it would be very very sad to see him you know uh, launch his career in year four with another organization especially 
because Danny spotted him out of the crowd and did receive so much criticism. Before we jump into that, I do want to remind everybody, follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. And the entire CLNS Media Network is at CLNS Media. Go to Facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app at in your app marketplace. Also the YouTube channel, phenomenal video this season. It's definitely high definition. You go to youtube.com slash CLNS media. You're going to get full length locker room interviews. You're going to get the garden report. You're going to get the round table. You're going to find us here on Celtic stuff live on our own channel. There lots of phenomenal content at the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS media. And you can poke fun at me a little bit because I'm typically I don't know why, but I'm sunburned all the time on this camera. So you can go and jump on the bandwagon and make fun of Red Face Podcaster. Um, so, John, I want us to take a step back. I know everything, it's going to seem like, at least for the next few weeks, every road is going to lead to Rosier. I'm just, I'm telling you, it's, it's kind of like what we did with Smart, but it's going to happen. Every conversation we have on the show for a while, I could just feel it funneling back to Terry. So we'll take a break from Terry for a second, but I know we're going to continuously come back to him. I want to start with just the starters and you're right. A lot of rust there. They give Al Horford the night off in game two wise decision to do that. And then your boy, Aaron Baines gets to start. So uh, there's <laughs> close to the lineup that you were thinking would be the starting lineup, but I, I'll say, see, <laughs> see how I did that. I just made him your guy. Um, I love Baines, just not as a starter. I, I'll, I'll say, you know, Hayward, especially the playmaking. Imagine if we had that last year. Yeah. Um, imagine if they were healthy. I mean, as rusty as he is, and there are lapses on defense that I do think just come from like lateral motion and reaction time that just cause he hasn't played in a while, but you know, he had a nice block and he hustled down the court. So it's still there. It's not gone from the ankle injury and the shooting, you know, it just doesn't quite have that lift and that crisp shot. Um, and that's because he's shooting in the flow of the game versus doing set shots. All of that's going to come back. And when it does, I think it's going to be pretty insane. I think, I think we're going to look back at tonight and look at that chase down block, which apparently he hasn't done at all since the injury. So this is the first time. And that was, so that was instinctive. That was, I'm going for the ball. I'm going to get it. And I'm, I'm knocking away from mine. He wasn't even going full speed, full speed when he went up for it. And he lands on the left ankle. You know, he left on that, landed on that left foot. Um, I think that's going to be something that he's going to be able to build that confidence from. Uh, and I think we can all say the athleticism is going to be there. Like when he can do chase down blocks from behind. Okay. Let's not worry about the athleticism. Let's just try to see if he can get back that feel and touch. That's the piece where it, it's clear he's he's trying to get it back. But I can tell a huge difference. I don't know about you, but I can tell a huge difference between even Friday to Sunday. With Sunday, he looked like he was engaged. Shots weren't going down. Not everything was completely there. He felt like 80% yeah, the rebounding, you know, Friday. All of that. More Absolutely. so on, on, on Sunday was much more of the Gordon Hayward I think we're going to see. Or headed in the direction of the Gordon Hayward we're going to see. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you're right. Just his involvement in rebounding, everything in, in, in Sunday night, he was definitely more comfortable. Um, you know, and they're managing his 
minutes. They're keeping him, what, right around 21, 22. Uh, I think conditioning is definitely a factor for him, too. Um, conditioning a huge factor. So, um, and, and you know, Kyrie's rusty, too. Like, he's working it into the pain, and he's got the dribbling. And, you know, I, I don't think that clearly he's 100% healthy. We don't have anything to worry about. But there are moments, and, and, I, and I think it's just the chemistry, but – I do feel like Kyrie could facilitate more for others. And I don't know if it's because, you know, they're subbing in a lot with Terry and they're kind of sharing ball handling duties and whatnot, but there is, that is something to keep an eye on, or maybe they were trying to defer some of that, you know, to Hayward, you know, just to get the ball in his hands because they knew his shot wasn't going to be perfect. But I remember at the start of last year, Kyrie was just a phenomenal distributor. And as we got into December before the injury and everything, he started having to take over on the offense, but offensive end because it just wasn't happening. They had to, they had to start using him the same way that they used Isaiah Thomas. And it was again, it was kind of unfortunate. And I felt like for a lot of the rest of the time, you know, he really got taken away from being a distributor for that reason. The whole team kind of got out of it. And uh, I'm concerned about it to start this year. I really want to see, you know, the facilitating distributor Kyrie. Um, but he's more off the ball than he's been uh, in in most of the time he played last year too. What, do you have any thoughts on that, or do you think it's just kind of early preseason stuff? No, I, no, I think that's a really good question. Why, you know, I, and I, I don't know. I, I really don't know how that's going to work. I, I think in part it's Kyrie trying to find himself and find his own balance. It's the competing interests of those young guys playing together. It's trying to fit Gordon. I think there's a lot of moving pieces there that, and as the point guard, you're the guy who has to meld them all together. And unfortunately, you know, I, if Gordon Hayward, if there's only one, if one of Gordon Hayward or Kyrie are in that spot, I don't think we're having the conversation because, well, they're going to work on it. But it's just, it's, there's so much going on there. I think it's just really hard to gauge. And I think there were times, certainly, he looked electric tonight. Um, and I think that will continue. I just, you know, it's, I don't know. I'm just not really sure what to expect from Kyrie. What, at what point is he going to, He'll want to distribute. I mean, he talked about this summer a lot about how he likes to get his points and then really create for other people, you know, but there's so much that's disjointed, the calls. I mean, there's a lot of fouls and, you know, touch fouls. And yeah, the flow of the game was, got disrupted a lot. It's that hard. Way. Yeah, yeah. yeah point it's of really emphasis hard. stuff is ridiculous. And what I think is funny is Scal explained it, and we'll, we'll go to our commercial break in a second, and we'll, maybe we can leap back off of this. But Scal explained it as that they're basically trying to reduce the amount of physical contact. So I, it's almost like the whole point of the point of emphasis is to reduce the number of injuries that happen before everybody's in condition because they shorten preseason. So they're keeping everybody sort of in check with that physical nature of the game that everybody loves by the time we hit January. And boy, doesn't that explain that January doldrum that happens because the fouls are slowing the game down. They're kind of reducing the physical nature. But by the time they open it up at the beginning of December, no wonder that adjustment wears everybody down. You hit that January time frame and you can kind of see there's that mid-season. Like people say mid-season form, and I want to say, nah, mid-season form is more like all-star break, which isn't really mid-season. It's final third coming down the stretch. <laughs> you know, the mid-season form is like, dude, I'm beat up and I'm tired, you know, and we're only halfway there, and I've got to get over this mental hump. That's what I kind of feel 
you know, like, like that's all about. We'll come back and talk about that a little bit more. But first, I want to tell you about one in 100 Boston sports fans. Do you want to get killer seats to see your favorite team for the price of a beer or a large pizza? How about that? Tired of paying for all the inflated markups from brokers or last minute convenience charges just so you end up paying courtside prices for nosebleed seats? Well, then go to one in 100. That's O-N-E-I-N 100.co. Feeling lucky? Try it out now. There's no other place online that's doing online raffles to win tickets to events. It's a totally new way to score tickets to your favorite events and a new way to score Boston Celtics tickets. The cost to potentially score them with 1 in 100 is a fraction of the actual ticket price. Score a pair of tickets for less than the cost of beer. Like I said, your first raffle ticket is free after signing up. The experience of using 1 in 100 is extremely fun and exciting as well. From picking your lucky number to feeling the potential of the potential of potentially scoring premium tickets. So if you're feeling lucky, try it. One in one hundred dot co. That's O N E I N one zero zero dot co. All right, John. So maybe leap off on that point of emphasis. I thought it was interesting that they talked about it. It was also kind of funny to hear Abby take a shot at Tristan Thompson during the game as well. But um but I just think that, you know, I still don't like it. You know, and I mean, Hayward having five fouls uh, and and several of them were just like ridiculous. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you're trying to get these teams are trying to get flow, trying to get an offensive rhythm to themselves. I mean, both teams, this isn't a Celtics playing one way or what have you. But, you know, everyone's you got a new coach in Charlotte. He's trying to establish a, a style of play. Looks great. It looks like they're, they've really got something going there. And, you know, Bridges looks great. Uh, Monk seems like he's found, you know, kind of the, the, the type of player I think we expected coming into last year. They really look, you know, promising. But how much can you really learn when you stop play every 15 seconds? Because, you know, someone's coming around a screen and trying to blow it up. And, you know, I mean, how many touch fouls did they call on Hayward? It was just, it's not fun to watch. It's not, you know, but I understand what they're trying to do. But, you know, it, it, if in the end of the day, just as, as, as Scal said, they're going to back away from it when it really matters. What's the point to begin with? You know, <laughs> I mean, either you call it that way or you don't call it that way. I don't understand the, I understand the idea for points of emphasis and trying to take things out of the game that aren't helpful. But it should be an adjustment at the beginning, and it should be consistent the rest of the way. Absolutely. That's what just blows my mind. NBA officiating is seriously the most inconsistent and creative art form I've ever seen in sports. I mean, people want to talk about, you know, baseball, but, you know, there's something about calling, you know, balls and strikes in baseball that was just sort of like part of the game. And so that's fine. The instant replay in football, I think it's necessary. Every play is so critical. But in basketball, you should just call the game evenly. And if you get a couple of wrong, a couple wrong, it just is what it is. And, and, and if you're going to call it a certain way, it can't be different in the fourth quarter and it can't be different the second half of the season. It's got to be the same point of emphasis. I get it. It's hard. It's hard in that game with so many calls being made to be consistent 100%, but you shouldn't intentionally change it up. Right. 
and that's what's going on is they're trying to you know push these new things through. I mean, there's a lot of new rules that I appreciate. I like the 14 second reset of the shot clock as opposed to the full 24 uh, on a on a re, you know, on something that hits the rim. I, I like that. I like the fact that they're they've tweaked the uh, the the uh, <laughs> clear path foul rule, which I think was really a dumb thing and something yeah, where 100%. people were just hugging people and. It's just, it was taking away the flow of the game. This is one where I understand, again, I, I like what they're doing, but you got to call it the same way in October that you call it in June. And that, that may be frustrating, but people will adjust. You're not going to adjust if you know they're going to not call it by the time you get to January. So why bother? <laughs> you know, people are and, just going to end up taking the fouls and playing the way they want to play anyway. Right. You know, there's, there's no, point of the emphasis if you're not expecting people to absorb it long term because why not have five fouls in preseason and you know especially a deep team like the celtics that's not necessarily a bad thing to go deep into the bench early in the year especially if they can get wins and the other teams are not as deep and wind up taking all the fouls and their guys are in trouble they've got three fouls by halftime and you know imagine if they did that to Kemba Walker on you know Charlotte's going to be in trouble if Kemba Walker's got three fouls heading into every halftime right the only problem there is he doesn't play defense so it's not really a worry <laughs> that's a big help yeah you know it's funny you mentioned Kemba because there was a lot of times when you know whether it was Hayward or or Smart had Kemba you know on their back and, and ready to post him up for some reason the Celtics weren't finding them I'm not sure if that was a point of emphasis Point of emphasis, kind of to steal that for a different purpose. Is that going to be the yeah. title of the show? It's going to be like emphasis. The, point, the point of emphasis show. Point guard of emphasis. I mean, we talked about oh, now we're here. back to Terry. See, we're I talking about the Terry. Now we're talking about Kyrie and <laughs> stupid rules. Point guard of emphasis. There's our title. We don't have to spend five minutes worrying about it at the end of the show, Justin. Yeah, on International it. Podcast Day. Here we go. Yeah, that you know what? We should do a little shout. You and I have been at this since what, two thousand and five? Is that when we started yeah, thirteen? Yeah. Two thousand and four maybe? Might have even been oh four was the first draft night show. I'm not sure, but but yeah. I, I might have done killer crossover that first year. It might have been oh three to oh four and then this. But either way, we've been at this, you know, thirteen years time. or so. And uh I didn't realize until you told me that that as we record this on Sunday evening after the Celtics second game against the Hornets, that it is uh, international podcast day. Right. I don't know who chooses those things, but, um, but cool. Kudos to us for sticking it out this long. For the UN of podcasters, uh, we salute you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. No, yeah, it's been a long time, and, and everyone's got a freaking podcast now. I mean, it's it, honestly, I I'm, I hate to go on a bit of a rant here, but like, I just remember when everybody like, needs the freaking podcast. Yeah, uh-huh. turn around, and and now you don't have to tell people, oh, I listen to podcasts, or I I have a podcast. Everyone's got a podcast. It's like enough, enough already. Just we so got enough podcasts. You know, literally today I'm doing it in my parents' spare bedroom, so. Like I'm visiting family in Maine, you know, that was the one that we used to always get. Oh yeah. Like Wayne's world where you're in your parents' basement on cable access. Right. Like that was the early joke about having a podcast. Yeah. Right. Like monkeys, my flat of my butt. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's an old reference right there. Yeah. Again, 
that tells you how long we've been doing this because those references were not dated when we first started doing this. So <laughs> that's the other piece of it. But most of the uh, people listening to this don't even know no idea. Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. So oh, they missed out. They really missed out. Yeah, but well, and you know, they're actually they're gonna have a Queen movie coming out this fall, so maybe there'll be a resurgence of Bohemian Rhapsody. Let's let there us hope. Go. We digress. They can stick along in the car just like we did back in the day. I legitimately did that before the movie came out. Exactly. I, I, I got to think a lot of people did. Absolutely. Yeah. That was. I mean, that was. Oh, that was my favorite movie by far back in the day. I mean, this is this is definitely a, po- a, a, a an off season conversation. But you know, hell, we're we're two games in. You know, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna break down Brad Watermaker for God's sakes. I mean, no, see, that's the whole thing. It's like you got to give them time to get settled in. Exactly. And then you've got all these end of the bench guys that we're never gonna see unless we're gonna go to Portland and catch games with the Red Claws. And the only other thing to really talk about is I am a little pumped to see us play against Philly. You know, the the, re, the <laughs> rematch there, plus the fact that I live in Pennsylvania and you know all the neighbors are Philly 76ers fans, and I went to the one game this. Celtics lost to Philly in the postseason last year with a buddy of mine who bought us tickets. You know, there's definitely every time they play, I kind of get a little mini amped. And even if it is a preseason game, we've got two slated against them before we head into the regular season. Correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, in the um, wait in the preseason, yeah, no, we play, play the Cavs. Oh, it's the Cavs. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Cavs. So it's game two is Philly. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Game one of. Game one of the of the regular season is Philly. Oh, What's season, game, game two is Toronto. See, Toronto. I got the schedule all messed up. That's there I, you I'm go. like I'm like front rimming like Hayward right now. <laughs> oh, I'll be back. In, I'll be back in a regular season form very soon. You're you're front rimming like uh, Jason Tatum was until he started to get going there in the second half. That's right. Like, well, Tatum. so do you want me to talk about league pass? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give him like, a shout. I'm going to give him a shout. I was super pissed. I was like, really? The first game is on NBA TV and I'm going to get blacked out. But sure enough, first thing Saturday morning, it opened up. And usually I've got to wait three days. So I, I'm actually going to back up a little bit and say maybe it will be different this year. So we'll, I, I started to get a little spun out, but by Saturday morning I had recovered. So, you know, I could George Costanza this topic. It's still there. We never know what's going to happen. You know how I get during the year when I start trying to watch on League Pass. But so far, I don't mind being able to watch the next day. It's just nobody wants to watch a game three days later. They've already played another game. That's the issue. Um, I shouldn't say nobody wants to, but I legitimately don't have time. I'm going to watch the other game that they're now playing. So um, next day, next morning, I'm okay with that. So so we'll we'll table that. But you know I'm I'm due for a – a league pass complaining session at least once or twice, maybe five times throughout the year. So who knows? Maybe they've solved the issue. I'm not hopeful. I gotta be honest. I'm not hopeful Uh, on that note though. I will say I'm currently trying to work out a scenario where I can listen to the, the audio broadcast and sync it up with the TV broadcast. I'm trying to find a way to do this without spending you want, you want to Sean Grandy your TV? I want to Sean Grandy my TV so that during the 30 national games the Celtics have, a good number of which will be on ABC specifically, 
Uh, I want to avoid Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson to the, to the greatest practical extent. I want to avoid those three awful people. And, and especially where we're looking at a potential deep run in the playoffs here in May and June. I just can't do it anymore. I, I, I want, right. if you, John, if you I want great impacts in my life. We need, like, if you pull that off, we need you to go full Jerry Maguire and write the thesis and put it out on Twitter so that everybody can replicate your success. Even if you're, you know, even if it's only 80% successful, you got to go at 80% on this one. That, that's such a no brainer for every Celtics fan. I, like, Reddit, Twitter, like we, we've all we're gonna put this together. We're gonna make this happen. First of all, it's a, it's a complete far. It's 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 foolish that we're forced to listen to national broadcasters. It's foolish. We should have a choice of listening to to whatever feed we want to. I mean, they do this in other leagues. They do this with college football national championship. They do it with the college basketball national championship. You can tune into certain channels to get the right feed. They should be able to do this where you can just, boom, okay, I get the Celtics feed. Boom, I get the Warriors feed like the, or the National feed. That's all they got to do. All they got to do is type, you know, kind of tap in that radio. I understand there's just tap, tap it in. Tap, just it, tap in. it in. What's just the matter? You don't in. like my home? Just tap it, just tap <laughs> it in. <laughs> well, great. we're waiting. Um <laughs> Great movie. <laughs> so that's even older poll there. Uh, anyway, Ruby reference, but this we pretty much spawned everything out of Saturday Night Live. That's how. That's the era we yeah. grew up in. You know, yeah. there were two things that we watched when we were kids. It was Saturday Night Live and the Celtics, right? And, and right. That, that mid to late eighties. That's that's what you're. That's what you're. All your influences, sports and uh, and um, pop culture. That's where it all came from. No question. All right, John. We're going to wrap up the show, but I, I will say this. Um, we have a game against the Cavs on Tuesday. Then there's kind of a bigger gap. They don't play again until Saturday. But then there's a gigantic 10-day gap before we have opening night against the 76ers. But really, it's only about two weeks away. So we get two more games um, in the next week, and then we have essentially two weeks to opening night. They'll have two nights off before they then play the Raptors. So, uh, a shortened preseason in some ways. Um, we, so what does that mean? We've got three, two more shows after this before we actually see a regular season game. So, um, hopefully the Cavs will, will give us some more insight, but that 10 day gap is going to be tough. I'm just, you know, I just want to say that right now. It's like we're all going to be starved looking for information after four preseason games. And trying to figure stuff out, and we're gonna have no idea what we're gonna get on the opening night. That's yeah, I know it's it's such a tease right now. You know we're gonna give you a whole bunch of basketball, and it's almost real, and it's live, and here they are, and they're in your face, and then we're gonna rip it away from you for over a week and a half. And yeah, that's that's just that's just it's painful. It's just it's nice. almost like it's just about conditioning. And yeah. then they take 10 days off to actually get it together. Like, all right, here's some basic stuff. Do your best with it, but know that this is how it's going to kind of feel. Get in condition, get your, you know, get your legs underneath you. And then we're going to spend 10 days 
you know, sort of kind of closing it up a little bit, really working our offensive sets, figuring out our rotations on defense, and then we're going to hit the regular season. So this, this, this is a little early and probably this should be two shows from now, but I want to wrap on this one quick prediction and then we'll close it out. The last couple of years, they've gotten out to hot starts. Uh, do you think? that they're going to, I mean, against all odds too, right? So do you think they'll get a fairly hot start this year? I mean, I I guess two years ago it was kind of like a 500 start and then they took off. Um, yeah. But but do you think they're going to, you know, kind of put it up there pretty fast or do you think this chemistry stuff is going to kind of linger for a little bit? You know, when you look at tonight and you look at, Friday night, it's hard to, to say there's a trend line where you're thinking, oh yeah, you know, by the, to the, you get to the end of October here and, and this coming out on October 1st. So, you know, 31 days from now on Halloween, they're all have it figured out, but a month is a really long time. And even remember, these guys haven't even been practicing really for a week together. I mean, I know there's been, you know, pickup games and whatnot, but that's, that's a long time, you know. Having said that though, the Salts have a really, I think a really tough schedule. Probably one of the tougher schedules to start the season between the start of the season and, and say Thanksgiving is a kind of a random date. I don't think they're going to get out to the hot start. I think they'll be good. I think they'll be, you know, one of the better teams. I think they'll be a really good team, but I think they're not going to hit their stride until you, you get to January, February. I think that's when they're really going to start to hit their stride as a team. I still think they're on pace for 60 wins. I still think they're going to be a, a plus 60 win team. And, and we'll go through some predictions probably in a, in a bigger sense uh, here um, either next week or the following week right before the season starts. But yeah, we're me, just setting the table. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just it's not Thanksgiving on. yet. We can't yeah. feast. We're just, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I see. If you I'm, know, if, I'll if come I'm the pretty, tablecloth, right. you know. You got seven games in the month of, of, of October. And if I'm, and you got Philly, Toronto, OKC, and Detroit's in there twice. I would say if they went five and two in there, that's a good start to the season. You know, I would five and two, I'd be happy with four and three. I'd take five and two is great. Yeah. I mean, pretty good. Yeah. I think, I think, I think if they start out the season above, you know, 650 as a winning percentage, mm-hmm. you know, or I, I would consider that a hot start and very successful. Okay. Okay. Well, it, it, if you're, you know, five and two, you're like what hovering right around that line. Yeah. I, I think that that's, I think that's going to be a question we're going to be asking ourselves a lot is how, how super teamish are they? You know, are they good or are they a super team? You know, to me, five and two isn't super team. Five and two is pretty good. They're in the mix. You know, we'll see what happens. Six and one super team, you know, seven and oh super team. That's yeah. Yeah. No, nine and one. You're winning at a 900 clip to start out the year when you're a super team crazy because you, you got it together and you're coming out on fire and you're making a statement to the league. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's what super teams do. That's what Houston did last year, although they didn't make it to the finals. Right. So that, that's, that's, there's that there too, but all right, that's going to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. But. But there were injuries there. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. Heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. Remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. For staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder 
CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.